0: Welcome to the First Prez podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8:20, 9:45 and 11:10. You can learn more about First Prez at www.first-prez.org. And open your Bibles if you would to Psalm 51 verses 1 through 17. One of those psalms that you should just take your Bible and kind of bend the spine back. Because when you drop your Bible, you hope it opens right here. Psalm 51. Hear now the word of the Lord. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God. It's a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, you God will not despise. Lord, help us to hear your word and to know your truth, to seek your salvation and to celebrate your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen. These things I pray. Confession. Forgive me my sins, we say, as I forgive those who sin against me. Forgive my debts the results of my sins as I forgive my debtors. We do it every week in worship, but maybe we should do it every time we pray. I think one of the chief points of resistance to the Christian faith is sin and confession. People say, why would I want to live my life under some set of rules handed to me that make me feel guilty? Why would I want to live my life in such a narrow way? Actually, confession widens your life. It's unforgiven sin that restricts things. Imagine uh, having a friend who has a hard time paying his bills. Don't look side to side. Don't look at your... Just imagine. And you try to go out to lunch, and you're walking around through town... And your friend says, oh, I'm sorry, we can't go in in there. I haven't paid my bill in there. So, well, how about this place? No, we can't go to that place. Uh, That's a place where I got in a fight with a waiter. We can't go over there. I haven't paid my my bar tab over there. No, we can't go to that place uh, because I owe them too much. Now, after a little while, you realize, hey, you know, life is getting pretty narrow here. Is there anywhere left in town that we can go to lunch? If you don't pay your bill at the cleaners, you run out of places to bring your laundry. Confession actually widens. Confession is actually freedom. Confession frees the soul. Confession, we all know, is what? Is good for the soul. It's about keeping short accounts, short accounts with God, short accounts with others. Honest confession nourishes the soul and makes the landscape of your life broad and open and free. We're learning a pattern of prayer to include confession. Four things, A-C-T-S. Can we say them together? A is adoration. C is confession. T is thanksgiving, and S is supplication. Four things, four things. Someone asked me in church a couple of weeks ago, now, about confession, why do we pray for forgiveness? Why do we have to pray for forgiveness, Pastor? My first thought was, well, it's in the Lord's Prayer, I mean, Jesus. his disciples asked him, how do you pray? And Jesus said, well, you say these various things and, then, and you say, Lord, forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. I mean, Jesus said, that's what you do. So you can't blame me for that one, right? I mean, that's, that's and of course, uh, she wasn't trying to blame me. She wasn't mad at all. And actually, it was, it was a little while later after I'd answered her question that I started to think about how good a question that is. Why do we confess? Why do we ask forgiveness for our sins? We believe that we are forgiven in Christ. We believe our sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. Do you know that? In him, says in Ephesians 1, we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In Christ, your sins are forgiven. They they are gone. There is new life in Christ. His sacrifice on the cross was enough to pay The penalty for all your sins, past and present and future. That is over. That that is finished. That part of the story is done. If you are in Christ, you are forgiven. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? So if we are forgiven in Jesus Christ, why am I asking to be forgiven of my sins? You see, it's actually a very good question. And the answer is in our continuing work, the ongoing work of growing more and more into the free child of God you were always meant to be even when we are justified by faith in Christ, even when we can say, my sins have been forgiven, my life is hidden with God in Christ, I am covered by Christ's righteousness, I am a child of God, my destination is the eternal kingdom in heaven, I am saved. We are saved, but we are not done. And we continue to sin. We continue to make mistakes. And God does not want us walking around with guilty conscience. He wants us to keep our accounts short and clear. Experts on forgiveness talk about a breach caused when one person wrongs another in a relationship. There's a distance between what I ought to have done and what I did and that distance hurts and in that distance if we stick together we can try to shorten the distance you can try to understand my mistake and i can try to make up for what i what i did even though i should not have done it but that distance remains it's still there the breach remains because it can only go so far that we can understand one another and make up for what we've done. And there, there the breach sits like a gaping hole, a black hole, a vacuum, a chasm, and it sucks the energy out of our relationship until something moves in to fill the gap. What can move in? Forgiveness. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, says Colossians 3. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Forgiveness founded in the grace of Jesus Christ who has forgiven you. It moves into the gap. The word is forgive, and I'm pushing the etymology here, but I think of it as, as forgive, like F-O-R-E, give. To give before. What it really means is to completely give, but I think of it as as giving Before I'm going to give before you deserve it, you see. I'm giving completely, fully of myself. I'm giving to pour into that gap, that gap between what should have been and what actually was. I'm giving completely into that before you deserve it or earn it or do anything to merit what I'm going to sacrificially do to make up this breach. I'm going to forgive, you see. And this is not weakness, this is great power. Lewis Smedes wrote, the most creative power given to the human spirit is the power to heal the wounds of a past. It cannot change. Forgiving is the only way to heal the wounds of a past. We cannot change and cannot forget. Forgiveness. Anyway, God does not want you in your relationship with him to be limping along, hurting, feeling the pain of the distance between what you ought to have done and what you actually did. God wants you to know the freedom and joy of total forgiveness. God wants you to know the freedom and joy of total forgiveness every moment, every day. In Jesus Christ. Psalm 51 is David's open confession. Do you ever doubt the veracity of the Bible? What book written by men to glorify men would ever include such ugly, real brokenness from one of its key figures? David is the king of of Israel, the great king. And here he is broken. David made a grave mistake. He ought to have been out fighting the war against the Ammonites, but he stayed home and was lounging around on his rooftop balcony when he saw a woman named Bathsheba bathing, and he desired her. And he had her brought into his chambers, and she became pregnant. But she was another man's wife. Her husband, Uriah, was out fighting the war. To cover his crime, David had Uriah brought back into town, but Uriah refused to take comfort at home with his wife out of fidelity to his fellow soldiers who were still out in the field. So the cover-up, it failed. David then had Uriah sent back to the worst part of the battle to guarantee Uriah died in battle, which he did. And David took Bathsheba as his own, his own seventh or eighth wife. How many sins can we count on that one? Were you keeping score? (laughs) There's envy. David coveted his neighbor's wife. There's, a, there's stealing. He took Uriah's place. He kind of took his estate in the world. There's adultery. That much was obvious. There's false witness. There's murder. I'd even say that he broached number one of the big ten. You shall have no other gods before me, said the Lord. David made his own desires a god, and he sacrificed to it with blood. Human sacrifice. For a while, David thought he had gotten away with it. Everything has worked out. But hear me now. Hear me now. You don't break God's law. God's law breaks you. And David's life started falling apart. Eventually, a friend confronted him, and David saw just where he was with God, and it was not a good place. This was not a broad, open, expansive life. This was a narrow, heavy, regret-filled life. David wasn't experiencing the freedom of using his power and influence to gain his desires and shape the world around him to meet his pleasures. That's what he thought he was doing. I'm a powerful man. I can make the world please me. However, However I would like. That wasn't what he was experiencing at all. When you break God's law, your world shrinks, it becomes narrow and tight and dark. until David turned to his friend Nathan, he just said, "How do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? How do I get back again? How do I break through again to that place of, of joy and light and freedom? Oh I've sinned. That's where Psalm 51 shows up. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. My sin is ever Before me, Lord, let me tell the truth. Let me come clean. Lord, you see, God already knows everything. When you confess, you're not telling God anything that he doesn't already know. But up and into the light, it comes and we lay ourselves bare before the Lord. Lord, let me tell the truth. In verse four, David says, against you and you only, Have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight? You see, we may have wronged others in our lives. We may have done damage to others, but confession is primarily to recognize where we have wronged God, where we have broken his law. David David wronged Bathsheba. David wronged the people and nation of Israel. David wronged Uriah. But do you know what? We can wriggle our way out of all these relationships with other people. You can always find a way to justify your action, one against the other, but not with God. David says, Lord, I know. I've broken your law. I've wronged you, God. And that I confess. Then David moves into contrition and self-examination, you know. Man, oh man, why did I do this? Why, why do I do this? I must have sin, he says, in my very bones. What is the origin of this disobedient spirit, this indulgent selfishness? Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. David is aware both of original sin and of the gift of conscience. He, he says, I must have sin deeply ingrained in me, but I also have a conscience teaching me wisdom. And so I alone am to blame for my sinful deeds, no one else. So what is to be done? There's nothing I can do. I can't bring a sacrifice enough to make up for my mistake. I can't go back in time and undo what I've done. I'm helpless at this point. I'm dead in the water. I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. What can be done? What what on earth can I do to move ahead? Where will I cry out? Where will I turn? Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord for mercy. The only hope, the only hope is that God helps, that God saves, that God rescues. Your only hope is that God... Forgives. Cleanse me, Lord, with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. You, you, Lord, wash me. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart with all the power of creation, Lord. Make me new again. Create inside me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David knew he had nothing to offer the Lord to make up for what he had done. His only hope, his only hope was that God is a God who saves, that God is a God who forgives. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Friends, do you know our only hope is the character of God and whether he is a God who saves? But do you know the good news? That's just who God is. God forgives. God makes up the gap. God? Won't allow us to wander away in darkness and sin. He won't allow us to carry the burdens of the brokenness. He moves in. God covers the breach. We're helpless. We're dead in the water. Unless there is something in the character of God that saves and redeems when there's no merit for salvation, no cause for redemption, and that's just who God is. He moves into the breach. He sends his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and for me He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. So, what do we get? What's ours? What do we get when we claim, when we confess our sins before God? What do we receive when we claim the forgiveness made possible in Jesus Christ? What do we get? (laughs) We get to sing. We get to sing of the joy of salvation. We get a renewed spirit within us. We get the gladness. That's what we get. That's what God wants us to receive. Why? Would you be slow to confess? I don't know if any of you have ever done anything wrong. I imagine not. Just looking at you. You know that feeling when you come into church and you think, these people haven't done anything wrong. They're they're perfect. But I have. I, I made a mistake once when I was very young. all the time all the time right and it isn't fun that isn't it isn't open spacious living it's narrow it's heavy it's dark it's it's sickening until i confess until i come clean before the lord do you know today that unforgiven sin is not a burden christ wants you to bear Don't you know how it grieves God that you do not receive the forgiveness that he made possible through the death of his son on the cross? Don't you know that it grieves God that you refuse to forgive yourself for that for which Christ has already died and that for which God has already forgiven you? This is not for you to bear any longer the Lord wants you to lay down your sins is this a place of burden when you come into church I came into church with burdens and I left with 20 more no no please no this is a place to leave your burdens behind I came to church with burdens and I left them I left them on the floor I left them on the cross I lay down my burdens before the Lord and I saw him carry them away. Oh, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I, I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh my soul, don't linger long in the grief of your mistakes and sins. Keep your account short with God. In fact, ask the Lord, is there anything, Lord, that I'm caring that I'm not aware of? Let me confess it, Lord, convict me of my sins. Let me confess it, that I may know the bliss, the peace, the joy. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Lord, there's not a one of us before you this morning without a sin to confess. We've come, every one of us, Lord, with burdens carried on our shoulders, guilt and shame. And Lord, we ask your help We have nothing to offer to make up for what we have done. We have no merits to point to, to claim everlasting life in you. But Lord, we confess and we cry out for mercy, not on the basis of who we are or what we have done, but on the basis of who you are, Lord, and what you have done through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We cry out to you in his name and ask, Lord, that You would give us the courage to show You our sins, to come clean, and that we might know the bliss, the peace, and the joy of everlasting life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Press podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-press.org.